Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. This is Shai Sherry for Daily Doth Differently. We are continuing our study of Masechet Shabbat. We are now officially supposed to be on page 70, but we are a little behind. So we are starting in the middle of page 69, and we will get to 70 soon and in our days. There's this great discussion about what happens when somebody's traveling in the desert and loses track of time and thus doesn't know when Shabbat comes in. So there's a difference of opinion. Go figure. Rav Huna says if someone was walking on the way or in the desert and he doesn't know when when it is the Sabbath, he counts six days from the day that he realizes or the 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 morning after, actually, he realizes that he has lost track of days and then observes that day as Shabbat. Chia Bar-Rav says no. He observes that next day and then counts six days. Now, what's behind their dispute? The Gemara tells us that one master, the first, Rav Huna, holds that the person should count like the creation of the world. God created the world in six days and then on, on the seventh day was Shabbat. And the other person, the other rabbi, Chiyabar Rav, holds that the person should count like Adam HaRishon. Adam HaRishon was created on day six, so his first full day was then Shabbat, and then he had six more days, which I think is lovely. Um, But then the question comes up, okay, well, that's very nice in terms of psychologically when you mark Shabbat, but... That also means that you've got a, you know, a one-seventh chance of being right and six-sevenths chance of being wrong. So that means that you're very likely, you're much more likely to actually be committing transgressions on the real, and I, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me, but I am, um, on the real Shabbat. And so aren't you then guilty of transgressing Shabbat? So. Here's the discussion. Rava said, on every day of the six days, he may work only enough for his sustenance, except for that day, which he counts as Shabbat. And then if he's only working enough for his sustenance, that's Bikuach Nefesh, that's the preservation of life, and so there's no Shabbat uh, prohibition. The Gemara then objects, but wait a second, that seventh day, he should die, he's not doing anything? No. He should work on the day before enough to sustain for two days, is the answer. Challenge. But wait a second, maybe the day before was really Shabbat. And so if you do more than you need for that day in preparation of in preparation for a day, the following day, which you think might be Shabbat, or at least that's what you're psychologically recognizing, but really, in my air quotes, it's not Shabbat, or it's really not Shabbat, Right then you have violated that sixth day, the sixth day that you're counting. Ah, all right, so let's compromise. Rather, every day he should work just enough for his sustenance, even on that day that he's observing for Shabbat. 
So every day is the same. Talk about a desert. Every single day is the same. You work at the same amount every single day. And that's how you know that you'll never be in violation of Shabbat because it will be excused because of Bikuach Nefesh, the saving of a life. So then the Gemara asks what to me is the best question. But then how will that seventh day be distinctive as Shabbat if you're working just as much on that day as the other six days of the week? And here, I think every uh, every pulpit rabbi um, should take note. The way you make the distinction of Shabbat from the rest of the workdays when you're doing the same thing is that you include Kiddush at the beginning and Havdalah at the end. And it's those kinds of psychological moments or those rituals that then can change our attitude, our perspective, our energy uh, in order to bring in and experience Shabbat. That's lovely. All right, now we will move on to page 70. The Gemara is going back to something that we saw in the Mishnah, and one of the categories that we saw in the Mishnah is about being punished for every category of transgression. There are 39 of these larger categories of transgressions, but the Gemara wants to know, how do we know that? How is it that there are distinct categories of melachot, of these prohibited labors on Shabbat, and that you are held liable to be punished for transgressing transgressing each of those categories. So rather than give you uh, the shaklavataria, the give and take of the Gemara, let me tell you that it comes down to two different approaches that reflect, in large part, what goes on on every page of the Talmud. One approach is to say, well, look, there's this specific verse, and if you know how to read the specific verse, you drosh this verse, then uh, you will know that there are these different categories of labor. And it, so it really has to do with how we read the Bible. And there's another approach that says, no, 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 no. We got all this information at Mount Sinai, and it was passed along in the oral Torah that there are these 39 distinct categories of prohibited labor on Shabbat. That's the theoretical dispute in terms of how we know that there are these 39. Nobody's dismissing, nobody's arguing with the fact that there are these discrete categories of prohibited labor. But do we know it because of an oral Torah that goes back to Mount Sinai? Or do we know it because the rabbis have been trained to read the Torah very, very carefully and to elicit new information that is not contained in the written Torah? So these are just two very different ways of understanding the nature of Torah Sheba'al Peh. Two different ways of understanding the oral Torah. Is it something that rabbis derive from the written Torah? Or is it something that has been passed down at the same time the written Torah was given, according to the rabbinic understanding of the giving of the Torah, also at Mount Sinai? And finally, on this page of 70, they ask a great question about what happens when two of the three categories in the Mishnah are conflated. So it's not just that you forget um, that it's Shabbat 
or that you forget that you have uh, committed this transgression. But what happens when there is one lapse of awareness or one act of forgetting concerning both the Shabbat and the and the prohibited labors. What happens in that case in terms of the consequence of the liability and how many offerings that you then need to uh, to be responsible for? So what the what the Gemara does is ask kind of origin questions about the Mishnah and then combination questions about the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah lays out if you do A, if you do B, and if you do C, but what about when A and B get mixed up? And so the Gemara offers several different answers for what that might look like. To be continued. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Chorus album One Bead. Available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.